Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Exciting interview ahead with Ben Bridgers, the Pinehurst Director of Golf. But before we get into that, Dante, we got to recap some of the PGA results this weekend. We had Sergio Garcia winning with the set of irons that I just picked up, which is huge. Big news for the Enjoy the Walk podcast. Um, But I think even better, you said, and I didn't even pick up on this, Sergio's caddy was carrying a stand bag. No big staff bag in the hands of the Garcia caddy this week. Yes, he was. It's like uh, his bag was just something you would see at a collegiate tournament or just at your local muni or local club. I mean, I thought it was pretty dope. And it kind of brings my question. It says, I mean, with the way technology is in with designing and, you know, all the materials and that are used to make bags and how things were back in the day to now, I said, why do these caddies have to carry these big ass staff bags anymore? I don't think I they mean, do. They do. I mean, they do for sponsorship reasons. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Most of these golf bags that you see have multiple spots that you can just print onto the onto the bag that's infused and that's part of the thread if they want to do spot like put the sponsor ads on there. I'll never forget. Um, one of my favorite memories from going to a PGA tour event and watching it live was actually Patrick Cantley when he was still in college, it was at Aronimic. It was at tiger's tournament way back in the day. This was, uh, the year, actually, this is the year Rory won the U S open at congressional. So they had to move tiger's tournament from congressional to Aronimic. and Patrick Cantley was in one of the final groups as a UCLA student. So he had his UCLA ping hoofer out there inside the ropes and his caddy was carrying it. It was pretty cool scene to watch because at the time, especially back in 2011, stand bags were never seen inside the ropes. And I feel like every now and then you start to see one pop up a little more frequently um, inside the ropes here. And maybe it's because of COVID too. I don't know. Maybe these guys are a little bit more relaxed. It makes traveling a little easier. I don't know. I, I don't know, but it's cool to see. I don't know. I mean, the way they're making stand bags these days, I mean, hold enough that a staff bag can. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's your personal preference on what you want to bring, but it seems like they can fit what they have in a staff bag that they can easily fit in a stand bag. I just thought it was neat. Saw that on there. Um, But yeah, I mean, going back to the clubs, I mean, he had a mixed bag and it's cool to see guys. I think you're seeing it more and more guys realizing that I don't want to sign a huge deal on every club because I don't want to be limited. I want to go. And it basically goes back to you and I having a discussion time and time again, when you go to get fit for clubs, are you going to go and say, Oh, I'm just going to sign a deal with TaylorMade or with ping and say, I'm going to play every single club in the bag. No, I'm going to find out what works for me best. What combination sets myself up for the best success. And I think you're going to see more and more guys move to this model in the future, unless you're top five in the, in the world, maybe, and you know, you're, you're inking these multi-million dollar multi-year deals. You know, we saw it with Rory when he signed with Nike, uh, he went Nike everything. Um, and I, and you're seeing it again with these guys signing with TaylorMade, but yeah, Sergio Garcia playing some of the ping blueprint irons in which I just talked about. I just picked up, put in my bag, really neat to see. Um, and then, you know, you're going from a ping blueprint iron to the Vokey wedges. Um, I think a staple in most tour pros uh, in, in their most tour pros bags, you're going to be, you're going to struggle to find a tour pro not playing Vokies, I believe. 
Yeah, I agree with that. And then if you go back to like on the other side of his clubs, I mean, if you look at his woods and his putter, they're all Taylor Mead. And it kind of goes back to what you just said with the, the whole fitting process. I mean, you've done it. I've done it. I mean, you can like a particular brand and you can see like, man, I really like that iron. Like if I were to go try and hit blueprints, I mean, they compare it to like something else. I mean, I can hit them and not like the the sound or not like the feel, or I just, I just don't, or if I look down on it, it just does not look confident for me to hit. And then we move on this, a different brand that can be like the same exact shape and size, but just a little different in some of the measurements and what type of metals they use and if they forge it or not. And I hit it that much better. So, I mean, it, it's kind of cool to see these, uh, I guess you can say these pros going nomad. I mean, and, and shout out to Sergio Garcia too. Low key, maybe putting on some swing speed. Uh, they, they're detailing his bag here. He's got black seven X, the vent is black seven X shafts in there. And then the eight X in his five wood. I mean, everyone knows, Sergio's had extra lag in his swing for uh, a long time, but I mean, you got to be putting up some serious swing speeds. He's only 5'10, 180. Um, you're, you're pumping the speed through there if you got some 7x and 8x shafts in there. Um, so shout out to Sergio having some low key swing speed out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, what can you say? You got the eyes that are just some guys out there just playing mixed bags and it's working for them. And you got guys out there playing literally head to toe. I mean, and I'm just happy to see Sergio playing well again. I think he's great for the game. Um, You saw um, the likes of Joaquin Neiman, who's also the Spaniard player, kind of just, you know, he he wasn't in the tournament this week, but he was watching. I think when guys like Sergio Garcia compete, when when they are on top of the leaderboard, they bring more people into the game on a global level, not just, you know, here in the United States watching golf, but on a global level. So it's great to see Sergio succeeding and winning. Um, It was really cool to see him kind of close it in down the stretch. He made some clutch shots. I don't know how much you watched, but he was dialed coming down the back nine. The shot on 18. The dart. From how far? You know how far out it was? I mean, I thought it was pretty deep. I think it was about 180, 175, 180. And, uh, and yeah, he he threw a dart in there to about two and a half, three feet. Yeah. That, that secured it. Right. He just, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't watch too much of it. Um, but yeah, it was good to see him win because I mean, I know COVID kind of set him back from kind of being in the mix of things. And, but then again, it always seems like he flies under the, under the radar or he's in the shadow because he's got that stigma of, always being in tiger woods shadow and it just seems like oh shoot there's sergio and there's anytime sergio gets in the mix there's that famous meme that goes around that video of tiger woods taking sergio's hat when they both were like 18 and 20 you know years old prospectively and and sergio just freaking out because he's like oh my god i got tiger woods's autograph you know and it's just it's funny to look back on that and see the battles that they've had over the years obviously i think you know they've gone through some controversy too sergio said some off-color things but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it, it's awesome to see Sergio back in the winner's circle. Um, it gives you hope that if Sergio can do it, Tiger can do it. Kind of coming back into the, you know, being Tiger fanboys, it gives you <laughs> like the, the confidence to say, well, Sergio just won. So Tiger's not that far off. Uh, but some other guys down that leaderboard that I wanted to, uh, to kind of shine some light on, Peter Malinaldi, um, he had a low key 63 on Sunday and almost put himself in the winner's circle one shot out the lead. Um, he had a shot on the last hole where he had to hit this crazy flop shot and he actually mishit it. And the, the cameras caught him saying, Oh, wow. 
oh wow and like he even shocked himself that it, it turned out to be about a tap in range for par so it's funny that these pros like even they know they get away with some lucky shots sometimes uh coming down the stretch and uh another guy jt poston we're starting to see his name pop up frequently uh, inside the top 10. He is a player and uh, it was a shame. He, he kind of struggled down the stretch. Uh, he had the lead coming down the back nine and then just kind of withered away. But uh, he's a guy who I'd watch out for in some major championships coming, coming down the fall here, obviously with back-to-back -back, uh, masters tournaments and then the U S open. I'd like to see him uh, contend in one of these coming up in the future. Dude, I'm telling you, man, like these guys, they, they have such a, a small schedule this, this 2020 year. I, I mean, these guys are out, they are slamming their foot on the gas pedal right now. So you're going to see some, some interesting things come down the stretch for the, the remainder of this year. in, I guess you can say the golf 2020 season. Oh, hundred percent. And I think, you know, speaking of interesting things, a guy um, that's starting to put his name up there um, on the TV screen more and more often is Denny McCarthy hometown of uh, right here in Maryland, Argyle country club. Um, they've hosted the Maryland open there a few times. And uh, he's uh, Denny McCarthy's a multi-time winner of the Maryland open uh, before he, you know, obviously went off to do bigger and better things on the PGA tour. Uh, but, you know, he had a great Sunday closing round uh, and, and put his name up there. T six finished at 14 under. It seems like he's starting to kind of get a comfort level um, on the PGA tour. He spent three years on the corn Ferry tour before moving to the PGA tour. So it's guys like that. You know, we've talked about this time and time again, the guys that are chomping at the bit for their shot and they know it's a shortened schedule. They know it's this weird COVID schedule where if they play well now, they could secure a long time bid on the PGA tour. These are the guys that are starting to have success. And another guy kind of uh, not really mentioned in the big scheme of things because he took a back seat to Victor Hovland and Matthew Wolf at Oklahoma state, Christoph Ventura, the guy out there, I believe he's from Sweden. Uh, he played four years with, the likes, like I said, of the Matthew Wolf and the uh, Victor Hovland. So he's another guy who finished T6, uh, who's another Oklahoma State kind of, you know, just masher of the ball. Um, he's putting himself in the in the mix here. So so many young guys, so many kind of, you know, never before heard names that, that we're starting to see creep themselves inside the top 10 pretty consistently moving into the fall here. Oh, absolutely. It's going to it's going to be exciting to see. Like I said, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I love just seeing just like, I guess you can call them the random players these mm -hmm. days, but you know, they're more of the up and coming players or it's these guys that are just finally starting to get a groove of things and it's just feeling kind of more natural for them. I mean, it's, it's going to be exciting because it's not good. Golf isn't your top five guys constantly competing every time. I mean, mm -hmm. these it's, it's everybody, everybody has a shot. So. And, and, and it's just great to see. It's like you said, they're not just these no-name guys. They're they're the next generation of the PGA Tour. They're the next generation of guys who you're going to see win major championships. Um, and, you know, talking about that next generation, we talked on the last podcast how Pennsylvania native Cole Miller uh, shot an opening round 62 um, out in the Latin America Tour. Um, he shot 62, 67, 65, and finished second. 
um, in the Latin America tour down there. 16 under was in a three-way tie for second place, but still shout out to Cole Miller. Solid payday, uh, solid finish, solid week. Um, it was a three-day tournament, not a four-day tournament, but uh, just wanted to give him a shout out for a, a solid three days work down there in Florida. Uh, keep a, keep an eye out for him. He was one of those guys we talked about uh, with Mickey Demorak qualified for that uh, Shinnecock U.S. Open um, and kind of, you know, catapulted their professional ranks that it, it catapulted them into uh the, the pga tour affiliates whether it's the corn Ferry tour or the latin america tour um and speaking of mickey demorat uh he finished i think t36 this week in corn Ferry. uh had a solid opening round almost course record which put him up in the top you know in the top of the leaderboard uh so i mean these guys man you gotta go low every day you're out there just find yourself up top at the end of the and week. if you do go low i mean some of these guys are going so low they're still losing <laughs> it's insane it, and it, just... it, it makes it fun to watch them, man. And it goes back to just like golf coverage. And I know, um, you know, news broke last week that golf channel is going all online here sometime in the near future with the peacock, uh, advertising and the peacocks streaming and things like that. Um, it's going to be tougher to find online golf here as, or I guess just golf stream in general, um, as we move through the end of the 2020 year and into 2021. Uh, but as we're moving into it, I think we're seeing more coverage of these corn fairy guys. We're seeing more coverage of golf. Um, and if it, you know what, if it ends up being through a streaming service and I can watch the sub, you know, the sub tours play more often, then am I mad at it? Kind of, because it's not part of my package on, you know, your sports package on Xfinity yeah. or dish or whatever it is. But if I can pay nine 99 a month or 39 99 a year to watch every tour, I'm actually not too mad about that. I'm actually pretty happy about that. Yeah, I, I have mixed feelings as well. I mean, I mean, if it's set up the way that they're saying it is when you're paying for a service in hopes that it's kind of like the Masters where you can have like a selected group that you can constantly watch or you have feature groups or you have mm -hmm. four to five, six holes that you can just constantly watch, which, which would be great because that viewing experience is phenomenal when it comes to as a golfer as like you and i who love to play golf and like actually like really know the game it's great for us on um an experience level of viewing professional golf oh when you but, talk about online streaming service for a golf yeah. event the masters is bar none the best possible viewing setting oh it runs smoothly oh, too hands, hands down but the thing is now you're taking away the live golf from mm. You, it, it seems like they t they take one step forward, two steps back all the time when it comes to trying. They they push, grow the game, push, grow the game, push, grow the game. And then they do things like this where, you know, the true golf fans are going to pay the money to get that. But the well, guy who comes across it on TV briefly is not going – that's not going to really happen. And, you know, it was one thing, too, where I, I told my dad about it because he hadn't heard about it, and he he's a guy who has Golf Channel on just nonstop. Like, he puts it on the TV, and he'll make dinner to it. He'll, you know, just kind of hang out to it. It's always in the background. So when he heard that, like, Golf Channel might not be, you know, part of that package service in the future or he's going to have to find a different way to get it, he was kind of bummed. And, you know, but I do think in the same retrospect, it's going to do away with kind of this senseless – like 
teaching lessons with Michael Breed and no offense to Michael Breed, but you can get that on YouTube. Now you can go to the services of like the Jake huts of the world now where you can go direct to these guys and, and, and find maybe a more refreshing way to get taught the game rather than sitting down and watching golf channel. There's obviously way more services out there now via online to get that kind of streaming service where it's just senseless. And I get it from a, you know, NBC perspective, it's senseless to probably they're losing viewers. I imagine on these kind of teaching shows on TV, when people can just go direct to the source, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or whatever. But the thing that questions me too, is if they do that and basically it's going to be just got from my understanding, it's going to be golf channel reruns and it's just mm-hmm. going to be reruns of all to- of like tournaments. So my quite, because from my understanding and correct me if I'm wrong, it's not live golf. Well, I think it's going to be a mix of everything. I think it's got, I, I think you have to have live golf. I think you have to, cons- you said you still have to have those events where you're, you're the golf channel, you're that entity. But what I think it's going to fall more into is just like the broadcast that we see on our Saturday Sundays of like, you know, at the event, the last like three or four groups coming down, you know, the obviously teeing off and playing, you know, the whole night. And we're We're going to see that style coverage. We're not going to see the full day, all, you know, 40 groups or whatever. We're not going to see that kind of coverage anymore. So I think it's going to be a little bit more condensed. I think it's going to be the typical, you know, prime time coverage that we're used to seeing um, and just kind of, you know, still with, with those reruns, I don't think we're going to lose it entirely. I think it's just kind of becoming a more condensed fashion of the coverage that we're used to seeing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. My understanding, it just seems like it's almost, they're going to, unfortunately it seems like golf channels are going to be on its way out in a few years, which is unfortunate. And it just seems like it's just going to be constant reruns of, of the current tournaments and even previous, which is great where you can constantly watch golf, but how long is that going to last oh, until for sure. they just keep losing viewership? It's, until they it's say, something where if we can have someone on from golf channel, who's willing to, you know, discuss that transition um, I'd love to have them. So if anyone knows anyone from golf channel or of the likes of NBC that would like to come on and discuss the, uh, the transition from, you know, I think a full-time golf channel to Peacock or however it's going down, Uh, we'd love to uh, have you on and at least have a a discussion about everything. But uh, I know one thing that's not, uh, that's not losing uh, viewership and that's Pinehurst. Um, So let's get into that. We have a full, just about our interview here with Ben Bridgers, uh, the director of golf from Pinehurst. So excited to get into that Dante. That was a really, really fun conversation. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're just copping in the car now and we're heading out. So if I Stay if tuned. I didn't have a broken ankle, I'd be uh, yeah. I'd be on the trip right down there, man. Yeah, you, you ruined that last last Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, but, guys, mean, we got it, a little banged up, and uh, you know, tis tis life. But uh, yeah. you know, it, it it gives me a little bit more time to sit down and focus in on our new release, the the Single Strap Society. So, guys, if you haven't checked that out, go to www.enjoythewalkpod.com. Uh, sign up, forty five dollars for the digital services for Single Strap Society. What that gets you is an awesome welcome kit from us to you. Um, if you guys don't know about Single Strap Society, it's basically our culmination of the Enjoy the Walk brand, um, kind of just in an ambassadorship program. You guys become members of the Single Strap Society. You guys get stickers. You guys get a logo towel from Winston Collection. You guys get some uh, a, a logo cup. You guys get to be on the list of recipients of the strap book. It's going to be a culmination of all of our pictures throughout the 
uh, the year um, in a publication to you guys three times a year. Um, like I said, the $45 value is a digital publication. Uh, for a $75 value, you guys can actually get a physical copy of this of this book to your doorstep uh, from enjoy the walk to you guys. So single strap society guys, go check it out. It's going to be an awesome, awesome um, experience. We're going to have as members, you guys get to be part of exclusive events, exclusive merch drops. Um, it's going to be a full service membership. So guys go check that out. Like I said, www.enjoythewalkpod.com. As always guys, you can interact with us at enjoy the walk pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you know, muck it up with us. Let us know what you think. Um, and without further ado, we'll get into the interview with Ben Bridgers. I think you might have heard of a place curse recently. It seems like every time we talk about the game, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on Twitter, when it's whether it's on just the big conglomerates, you always hear about Pinehurst. Well, guys, we're really, really happy to bring on someone within the walls of this crazy epic resort and really dive into not only where Pinehurst has come from in the last 10 to 15 years, but dive into where they're going, obviously with the big announcement with the USGA and everything surrounding that. So we're really happy to have Ben Bridgers on the show, director of golf and club manager. Ben, thank you so much for joining us this evening, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited. Uh, obviously, it's been a crazy year, but uh, it's been a great few few months uh, as of late for Pinehurst uh, with all the announcements and, uh, you know, trying to get back to normal. So, 100%. Yeah, we'll get into Pinehurst in a moment, but obviously, let's talk about your side of the story here real quick. You know, it seems like you've been around the game for a very, very long time. You know, where did that first spark of golf enter your life? Was it from the playing side or from the working side? Or, you know, how did it all begin for you in the golf industry? Yeah, I mean, well, thanks. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's been a wild run. Um, you know, I grew up in a small town, Conway, North Carolina. I went to the same school from kindergarten through 12th grade, graduated with 17 people. Um, and I was, uh, Super fortunate that the golf course uh, was right beside my school. So uh, my dad played golf. And uh, so basically we, uh, you know, he had me hitting, hitting clubs in the backyard at three, four years old. And uh, we were playing, uh, playing some Nassau games with his friends by the time I was 12. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, a, it's obviously a great game. Um, and, and I had no idea, you know, when I took up the game where I would be and, and what I'd be doing. So, uh, but yeah, just started started out playing out there with him, and um, you know started playing playing some money games, and you know I was uh, I shot shot sixty three when I was about fifteen, and you know kind of had aspirations of playing a little bit, and ended up going to Barton College, which is Division two school in Wilson, North Carolina, and um, you know majored in business administration and human resource management, and uh, you know played golf for four years, so. It was awesome, man. It was uh, it was best time. I, you know, little small North Carolina boy, uh, ended up going to you know Arizona, Florida, California, playing golf, and uh, really a dream come true there. You slid that sixty three in there like it ain't no thing, and I'm just gonna throw it out there. I haven't seen sixty three on a scorecard in my lifetime, so that's uh, right off the bat, you know, just something that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I was I was pretty good, you know, growing up. Like I said, I played golf. Uh, I was at the golf course probably 300 days out of the year. So I was like I said, very fortunate and grew up around a bunch of uh, my dad's friends playing golf and um, worked at the golf course. You know, it was kind of hometown kid. And um, yeah, so it's uh, it's called Valley Pine Country Club. Uh, you definitely have not probably heard of it. And uh, but it's a great little place, man. And 
you know, 6,300 yards, 6,400 yards all the way back and, you know, just make a bunch of birdies and eagles out there. It reminds me of a place, uh, and, and I wish he could have joined us this evening too. Uh, we t- sometimes have a third on the podcast, Isaiah. Him and I grew up on the same course. Uh, you know, we were both five minutes from the course, and it was all the way back, tipped it out like 6350 or something like that. Um, and it was just one of those courses that were so much fun to grow up on because as you hit the ball a little longer, like you said, those, those birdies and eagles kind of started to present themselves a little more often. And it was just a lot of fun to play and grow up on a course that was kind of that short, but just had this this fun, you know, aspect of you could really go low if you if you put it out there enough. Yeah, no, it was it's it's great, man. We had a bunch of good players uh, when I was growing up, and so we had a lot of a lot of fun, a lot of matches. And uh, actually, my dad just turned seventy, and we I went back and we played in the member guests there, and uh, you know, just just special, man. Very fortunate to to uh, be where I am because of him and my mom, and uh, always great to share it at home with him. So. That's awesome. I know Dante and I always kind of talk about it. We're, we're very fortunate to get out with those rounds with our dads too. And it's one of those things where you look back on it now and you're like, well, you know, he's the guy who brought you into the game. And I think the same goes for Dante and myself. So it's like, you know, to, to be able to do it again and go back and either play in the member guests or just get out with rounds with your pops is, is always a kind of memorable thing as you start to grow older in life. No, absolutely, man. We, uh, I took him, uh, we went out to uh, Pebble beach in his 65th. And so we've, uh, and we go. We try to go somewhere and, and play golf. And uh, he came up a couple weeks ago. We played number two. So he's uh, he loves it, man. He's just got this big smile and just loves being. You know, he's not as good as he used to be, but he loves competing and you know trying to still drive it back, drive it past me. Yeah, that's 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 awesome because you know my dad's not. He got me into it too, but he just went out and played and he played a lot. But like he never really focused to just get better. He just used it as like you know an extracurricular just to go out and have fun. And, you know, I started playing once I started getting more competitive into it, say about like five years ago, I just told him and I just recently turned 30. So I noticed that our area has a father son, like mid mid father son. So like I now categorize in that I can in that field. So I told him, I said, yo, you want to sign up? And he doesn't compete. He just goes out. Like I said, he goes out and plays and has fun. I said, you want to compete in this uh, father son next year? Uh, Because it was he was coming off of a surgery. So he had the, um, it, it wouldn't have been perfect timing. So I said, why don't we just wait until next year? He goes, yeah, I'll do it. I said, just so you know, it's like true alternate shot Ooh. And with handicap, but like a little modified. Cause you can pick the best ball off the tee, but from there on it's, it's alternate shot. I said, you in? And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it. Who cares? We'll just go out and have fun. Enjoy yourselves. And, and, We'll, we'll sign up next year because I think it would be hilarious just to kind of see, because I remember a couple uh, father and son at my course that are members as well. They did it. And he was just talking about how hilarious it was because they're competitive. They're both competitive and how they got like, they started button heads because the one just hit a, hit a terrible shot. And he goes, great. Now I got to <laughs> clean up after, after my son, or I got to clean up after my dad. So I'm excited to see. I think I can't wait for next year for that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's so cool. Yeah, so it's like one of those things too, man. My pops just turned 60, so he's just moving up to the senior tees. And you talked, Ben, you talked about, you know, your dad out driving or whatnot. And and he, he could never get me if we were playing the same tees. But now that he's moved up a set of tees, he's still, you know, we're back in that strongman competition, even though we're on different tees yeah. now. So it brings that, it just brings that spark into it, man. Wherever you can find it when you're, when you're playing with your older dad or anything like that, it just, uh, it brings something fun into the game that, you know, it, it just makes it worth going out. No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. 
Awesome, man. So like, let's get back into to your journey. Obviously, you played in college and everything like that. Where did you step into the game from an employee side of things, from the kind of back end, you know, running or management side of the golf industry? Sure. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I played golf there for four years and, and graduated. And actually, I, I talked my parents into allowing me to stay for an extra semester uh, to get the human resource management degree. And it really it at the time, it was really just to stay in college, but it, it did help me in the long run. Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, had no aspirations really of being a golf professional, believe it or not. Um, so I had a friend that worked at the uh, Currituck Club in the Outer Banks, a couple guys, Robert Robbins and Mike Ordnong. We grew up at Valley Pine together, played a lot of golf together, I actually taught Mike how to play uh, a little bit. And um, we really start, you know, we really go at it when we, you know, when we play now. So, but those guys were working out there when I, uh, when I graduated and, you know, I, I, I really did want to play a little bit, but it's just, um, you know, it's so competitive, so hard. And so my, you know, I called Mike one day and he's like, man, why don't you move down here, start working for, with us and, um, you know, we'll play some golf. And, and it's in the Outer Banks of North Carolina, which is obviously a beautiful place. And uh, so that's what I did. I moved down there and we had four or five of us living together. We were working, um, started working at Kilmarlick uh, Golf Club, which, um, Brian Sullivan uh, and, and his dad, Bob, kind of helped run that. And uh, then I moved to the Curto Club and uh, started working for Club Corps. Um, and like I said, just playing golf and, and having fun and, you know, teaching some lessons. And I mean, you know, playing. I mean, I, I finally got into the golf business. and I said, you know what, this is pretty fun, man. I mean, you know, it's I spent I spent, like I said, 300 plus days a year every year at the golf course. So it didn't really feel like work to me. Um, we were making a bunch of much of cash money with lessons and things like that. And, um, you know, going to the beach and playing golf. And so, uh, so started there and, um, you know, for a couple of years, you worked, worked with Mike and Robert and Robert, uh, uh, Mike actually had an opportunity to purchase Valley Pine, uh, his family's from home and he had, he got married at the time. And so he moved back home and, and Robert and I were there working and, um, we had a new general manager come in and, uh, he kind of gave me the opportunity to be the head pro. And uh, after, you know, about three and a half years as an assistant and, um, you know, just kind of took a, took it from there. And, you know, it was kind of like I still wanted to play a little bit, played some sections events. But I was like, you know, I'm kind of too far along now. You know, I've got a head pro job and uh, started doing some uh, travel work for Club Corps. I went out to uh, Mission Hills out there in the, in the Palm Desert and did some retail work for them and, um then I, I moved down to Kurtuk or from Kurtuk to Nags at Golf Links and, um, you know, stayed there for a year and then moved back to uh, back to Kurtuk. You know, they needed some more help up there. And um, and before I came to Pinehurst, actually, um, I became the general manager at Nags at Golf Links and the Village Beach Club there. So um, and really for me, that was that was it was awesome. You know, I wanted to, that. That's why I, that human resource management degree, I kind of I got my PGA membership. Um, I had the HR degree and so I, I remember going into the interview for the GM job and, uh, told them, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I, you know, um, just kind of had a little plan and, you know, they're like, you got a, you got your PGA, you got your HR degree and, and they gave me the opportunity, which was awesome. Uh, and, uh, I, I started like in, I think it was in May of, um, May of the year. And of course we had our first hurricane that year that came through as my first year as GM and demolished the golf course so we had we took off 365 tons of debris off the golf course I had to do I had to re-bulkhead some some bulkhead build bridges and uh, man it was uh I can remember it was on my my birthday's August 29th and I'm out there shoveling sand 
on my birthday, like what in the heck just happened? Like getting thrown uh, we, into the absolute, uh, the fire I, in the trenches right off the bat. <laughs> I got, I got thrown in the trenches, man, but it was a, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Really. I helped me get noticed. Uh, we had to bring Belfort restoration that helped with hurricane Katrina. And we got all the debris off the golf course. I had some friends in the business, uh, a bulkheading business that came out there and put some rock up and built some bridges and stuff. And, it really got me noticed within club core. And, uh, I spent about eight and a half years there, had some, uh, had some great, uh, great mentors, um, and Jay Biggs and Jeff Shepard, uh, worked for club core. And we were all GMs in the same division of, um, my, my old boss, Rich Nathan had 29 clubs. And so, um, you know, Jay actually came in 2011. He, he knew Don Pageant and Don kind of recruited Jay to come here. Um, and then Jeff Shepard, I got an email one day and uh, Jeff said, it said Jeff Shepard, who was my regional director of golf at one time, uh, is leaving to come into Pinehurst. And so, you know, I got that email and I looked at my phone and I'm like, you know, I'm going to call him. So I called Jeff. It was like October of 2012. And, uh, you know, I was like, Hey, I see you're going to Pinehurst, man. Can't believe you're leaving club core. You know, we're going to miss you and all that stuff. And we had a, probably a 30 minute chat. And at the end of that conversation, I said, hey, listen, you know, I'm from North Carolina originally. If you guys ever need a director of golf, I'd love to have the opportunity. And that call um, helped get me the job here, without a doubt. Well, I was going to say, you foreshadowed a lot of kind of the moving pieces into how you got that job and where you're at now. Obviously, Jay Biggs being one of the kind of main pieces in that part. And then, you know, that phone call you just described as well, you know. But when when Jay Biggs ended up calling you, was that a call that like you you had to interview for the job and, the, and the, there was this long process? Or like, was it just like, hey, if you want it, it's yours when they gave you a call in 2013? So it was, um, so it was March of 2013. Um, and you know, he just said, Hey, it's Jay. Uh, love to have you come out. He, I was, uh, Mark Gore was also from Firestone was also, um, you know, kind of in our division. And so we'd had some general manager meetings together and different things. And so Jay called me up. He said, Hey, you want to come out next weekend? Uh, check it out. And I was like, absolutely. I'll be there. Um, so I came out, we rode Piners number two. We walked around the facility. Um, you know, I'm like, I was like a kid in the candy store, right? I mean, I'm like, this is amazing. Um, and then I went out and sent in the office with, uh, with Don Pageant for about uh, probably two hours. And, you know, it was like, I don't know, man. I grew up, like I said, I grew up at the golf course all the time. So um, I just felt, I felt at home. I mean, I so I'm sitting there and we're talking and, you know, you could probably hear, I'm, I'm a little, I've got a little country in my voice, but, uh, you know, just, we started talking about what they were doing and where, you know, where the vision was. And obviously Mr. Pageant is a, is a golfer, a uh, huge, huge golfer. And he led the U S open on a Saturday back way back when. Um, and so, you know, left, I had, you know, had some dinners and stuff and left and Jay called me. He said, Hey, you know, we'd like to offer you the position. And, um, you know, I had a great thing going with club core and, and, you know, like I said, they had, they'd sent me out and done a lot of great things, but there's just no way I could pass it up. And, uh, it was funny, Mike, Mike Ordnung, my, my best friend from home, uh, he called me one day. I was like, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm sitting in the parking lot about to drop off my letter, you know, my offer letter and, and, and mail it back in. He's like, why haven't you done that already? <laughs> you know, and so uh, it was kind of cool how, you know, like I said, you know, hometown buddies and um, he kind of kind of with me through the way, kind of pushing me along, helped me get the job in the Outer Banks. And then 
um, kind of pushed me along to Piner. So, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a whirlwind, man. I came in right right before the U.S. Opens, obviously, in, in 13 and had no idea what I was getting into. Had yeah, no I idea. mean, it's so crazy looking back on that, like that, that kind of that jump from club court to Pinehurst and then jumping in kind of full full tilt almost, you know, in, in the article that Pinehurst wrote up when you did join, you, you described it as your dream job. You know, what was that first day and week like there? And like, what was it truly, were you just like pinching yourself at some point and saying, am I really at Pinehurst, the director of golf? And like, what was that like? Were you really experiencing a, a dream job as soon as you started? Well, I mean, it was obviously hit the ground running, um, you know, working with the USGA, meeting those guys. I mean, we were kind of, I mean, right before the U.S. Opens, we were is probably as busy uh, as we had been in, in many years. You know, Don Pageant started the, you know, the restoration number two really kick-started Pinehurst. They renovated the members club in 13 and then also, you know, having back-to-back U.S. Opens. So just prepping for all that stuff and really just learning. I mean, it's a, it's a huge place, as you know. It's a special place. Um, you know, I tried not to let myself get overwhelmed with the fact that, you know, I'm at one of the best resorts in the country, um, may not have been the, the, um, most qualified individual for the job at the time, but I was, I was hungry. I was ready. Like I wanted to, I wanted to do it right. You know, I wanted, I had a little chip on my shoulder that, Hey, I've got to do a good job. And, and so, you know, the first big test was the back-to-back opens and working with the USGA and, and Robbie Zalznick and Leighton Schwobe and, and JP and those guys. Uh, Danny Sink, Hank Thompson, just all great friends now. And just some of the guys that I work with, with the USGA and, um, you know, it's, it's just been, a, it, it has been a dream job, obviously. And, um, you know, continues to be, and I think I, I tell this to Tom Baxter, our president all the time, the longer that I'm here, the longer I want to stay. That just speaks to not only, you know, the obvious, I, I think the obvious, way he runs the resort but the way the people come down and experience and treat the resort too there there's a sort of elegance into which when people step on the grounds of pinehurst they know they're at some place truly special um you know you described your job too as you were you know the offensive coordinator of sorts you were the guy that keeps it all together um what does i guess you know if you're going with that offensive coordinator mentality what does your playbook look like when you first step in there obviously you said you hit the ground running and you know you might not have been the most qualified but you were the hardest working you know what does that playbook look like how did you start implementing things you know into pinehurst that might not have been there before you got there well, I mean, I think the, the first thing I had to do was earn the respect of, of the, my, my peers, you know, in the senior staff, uh, and then also the golf operation. You know, like I said, we were, we were hosting tons of, of, of um, you know, outings and different things, and we've got a large membership as well. And so um, really just learning and, and finding out what, you know, what, our, what the, the folks that were working for me, what their strengths were, what their weaknesses were, um, and really just trying to help build a team. Um, you know, we were making some, um, you know, we were doing the best we could in, in certain respects and um, but uh, really just had to had to make sure. I mean, when people come to Pinehurst and I tell the staff this all the time, I mean, they think we're the best golf, uh, you know, golf operation in the country. And so if we don't think that, then we're going to struggle. And so I think that was one of the things is like no matter what your age is, how long you've been here, what part of the operation you are managing or working for I mean th- people come here and they expect us to be the best and so that's the way that we have to treat ourselves you know Tom always says you know we're raising the bar it's someone's U.S. Open every day it's true 
I mean, people come here and they, whether they're a guest of a member, whether they're coming on an outing um, or they're paying it out of their pocket, they're expecting a great experience. And, um, you know, I would say we're really fortunate. Um, you know, Bob Dedman Jr. has spent a lot of money in this, in this property, kind of um, putting it back on the map. You know, like I said, starting with the restoration of two, uh, the renovation of number four, the cradle, um, you know, taking a, a part of the retail shop in the clubhouse there and making it into the Deuce Bar. Um, you know, that's really, you know, Pinehurst is, a, if, if you know, you guys have been here before. So it's just about the people. So the product's great. And, and then really getting the people where you need to be. I mean, we want to take care of, when people come here, we want to take care of them. I mean, that's what it's about, you know. I think that's the number one thing too, is just the hospitality aspect. You mentioned like a little bit earlier, the hospitality management side of your degree that you ended up staying a little bit longer for. And I think, you know, what better kind of, uh, I guess, icing on the cake to, to really have in your, in your arsenal when, when serving Pinehurst, I think that's the number one thing I hear time and time again from, you know, family and friends that have been there and experienced everything that Pinehurst has to offer is just the hospitality of it. It's the, it's the side of just like from the moment they got, even within the area, not even on the grounds, there's just this kind of Southern hospitality. There's this welcoming factor that is just bar none with any other resort that exists in the country. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we've got great people. We've got great Southern people. And, um, you know, it starts out front in the golf operation. you got Larry Goins and, and, and Frolin Hatcher. Uh, they've been here for 40-plus years apiece. Frolin's been 50-plus. Uh, and then also down in the back storage, you got Henry Sutton. Uh, you got David. you got Emmett. you got uh, Leonard. I mean, just, I mean, hundreds of years of experience with those guys. And, and so they see the same people. And, um, you know, just they just make you feel welcome. And uh, we've got uh, we've got the best group of golf professionals we've had uh, in regards to, uh, you know, David and, and Nick and Matt Barksdale, who is he, Matt Barksdale is my resort head professional, runs all the golf for me. Uh, he's also a North Carolina boy. And so um, David went to Methodist. And so we just you know, we we really got a great thing going and, and um, those guys care. And so I think for me, like you said, I'm just I'm just looking at how to make us more efficient, how to make us better, um, you know, and make the facility better, give the, give the staff what they need to be successful. That's what my job is. My job is to give them the tools they need to succeed. And then, and then also help them through a, you know, a challenging time. Um, Hey, this is how we would have handled that situation. You know, it's really just, you know, I've been here almost eight years now. So it's, it's really kind of the experience and learning what's happening and, um, being on top of stuff. I mean, I think, you know, that's the one thing you just can't, you can't miss something. And I'm really just training those guys on how to be efficient. And, um, we've got a young staff, but, uh, but they really care. And I think that's the, that's the most important part. Oh, absolutely. And I think it, you know, Dante does a lot of this on a daily basis too, but it's logistics. A lot of it's kind of logistically placing people in the right areas for them to succeed. And like you said, giving them the right tools to succeed. Um, you know, in the eight years you've been there, talk about has this vision always been to become the home of American golf? Because it seems like with the USGA announcement this year of Pinehurst being the anchor site, um, it, it seems like that's kind of what you're being dubbed as a resort is the home of American golf, uh, you know, for obviously decades to come. Has, has that always been the vision or, or how has this kind of, you know, foresight vision maybe even changed over the last couple of years um, at, at Pinehurst operations? Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we always want to be the, we want to be the best golf resort, obviously. And, um, you know, to, to be dubbed, uh, 
I think Matt Janella and Tom kind of worked at that, that home of American golf. And, and I think it makes sense. I mean, Donald Ross coming here, um, you know, the, the, the relationship we have with St. Andrews, um, you know, just kind of seeing the maniac Hill, which is our driving range, people out there just beating balls, um, you know, in the early 1900s. And uh, I, I think it's just a special place. Obviously, you know, we haven't, we've always had a little bit of championship golf, not as much as we had recently. Um, but, you know, all the greats have played here. And so I think that's kind of, it's kind of what makes it special. You know, there's not a, there's a lot of great places, obviously in the world, in the country, um, but not as many places that have as much history as Pinehurst. And I think that's the, I think that's kind of where the name came from. Um, and, and I think, you know, for us, we want to carry it on. We want to carry that tradition on. And, you know, the, the it's, it's awesome. Um, you know, Mike Davis, um, and his vision for the USGA. I mean, you, you know, when you look back at it, Richard Tufts was the president of the USGA. And so it's just kind of, it's kind of funny how things kind of return to what they used to be in a sense. And I think that's kind of um, the direction we're heading in, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's something where um, it's never been, I don't think out of the conversation, you know, Pinehurst has never left that conversation of being the home of American golf. But I think like, like you said, it's just uh, with, with Machinella's help and kind of the USGA's, you know, foresight in moving some pieces around to put, you know, the focus back on Pinehurst, it's just become the forefront of conversation again. It's, it's been there in the past. And I think it's kind of returning to it. Like you said, um, you know, speaking of championship golf, you brought up, you brought up that obvious aspect. There's championship golf in the future for Pinehurst for years and years to come. Um, other than the number two course, which obviously went through that gorgeous restoration. What courses do you see, even with like maybe a US AM or a US Women's AM or a US Women's Open, what courses do you maybe see picking up the slack from number two and also being in the conversation with, you know, these championship style courses that maybe don't get talked about as much as the number two? Sure. I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously number eight hosted, we hosted the four ball championship in 2017. And um, uh, originally we had talked about having the AM and on eight and, and two. Uh, and then we obviously had talked about renovating course number four. And so we kind of, we wanted to have a USGA championship on Piners number eight. And so we were able to move and have that on two and eight um, and 17. And then uh, obviously coming off uh, uh, the renovation number four was the USAM co-host, um, which was, which was awesome. You know, the guys really enjoyed that. I mean, the renovation has been unbelievable. What Gil did, you know, kind of made it a, um, you know, kind of made it just a companion course to Piners number two. So, you know, those two golf courses obviously intersect each other on the, on the property. And so just uh, being able to see the wire grass and the bunkers and, um, so both of those golf courses, course four and course eight have hosted USGA championships and, and obviously are great. Um, you know, Tiger Woods won his only championship here in 1992 at the big eye on Piners number seven. Uh, I often say that, you know, Piners number seven is, is not a sleeper. I mean, you put that golf course all the way back. Um, it's got some great views. It's got some undulation and uh, that would be a great golf course for, for a women's am. Um, you know, but I think, you know, it's obviously hard to not have the championships on the main campus here of two and four. And I think that's what you'll probably see the most of. Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, number four is probably um, it may be a little bit too easy to host a U.S. Open. And I don't know how we would host, you know, not host it on number two. So uh, so I think two is always going to be in the mix. You know, it's obviously very special. And um, you know, anybody who's, uh, who's, who's been here and played it is kind of feels the, you know, the church bells on the first tee and, 
um, you just feel like you're back in time. So uh, it's hard to it's hard to beat two and four, and then obviously number eight as well. No, that's awesome. And it's just something too, where I feel like, you know, there's so many options down at Pinehurst for just the everyday player to go experience the resort, whether it's, you know, one of the, what do you guys have now? Nine or 10 courses? Um, we got on the nine, property? Yeah. Yeah. Nine golf courses. And then also the cradle, which is our part three. Right. So, I mean, there's just so many options. And when you get people that maybe even just do your stay and play packages that are like a two night, three day thing, uh, there's just, you can't almost, you almost can't do it in like a three day time unless you're playing 36 a day and just (laughs) exhausting yourself beyond belief. You know, Dante and I talk about this, what would be our go-tos, you know, what, what are Ben Bridger's go-tos? If you had that two night, three day package, what, what would your lineup look like and what courses would you go to and obviously, you know, two is going to be on that list. But what would that setup look like for you on a three-day stay at Pinehurst? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you arrive on Thursday, um, you know, it's it's hard not to be at the main club and just kind of be, especially if it's your first trip. Um, you know, so I, you could start out with a number three golf course or a number five. Uh, we've done a little restoration on number three, and it's got the wire grass. And, um, you know, it's got it, – it's 5,100 yards, far 68. But I tell you what, man, it's uh, – it's one of those golf courses where it'd be hard for you to shoot under par the first time you played it if you're a scratch golfer. I mean, just it's got some great holes, but the greens kind of run off. There, there's some challenging pins out there. So maybe start there. Um, you know, wake up Friday morning, and um, if you're going to play 36, I'd probably start out with number number eight in the morning where you could you could ride or either number four where you could walk with caddies. Uh, and then vice versa, you know. So depending on what, what you know, how you how you felt from the Thursday night uh, – um, you know, transfusion cocktail hour, um, but uh, play play eight, four, um, and then Saturday, you know, try to get up and do number two in the morning and um, and just really enjoy that. I mean, I think that's the, you know, the golf course is challenging, obviously, but I think it's, it's no matter who you are, how many times you've played it, you get the jitters on the first tee. And so it's just really special to be there, um, especially whether you're with your friends or family or whatnot. And um, and just playing a game, but uh, number two, and uh, you know, you could play number one's obviously a great golf course to play nine holes uh, in the afternoon. And you know, we uh, we actually got some hickory uh, hickory rentals. And uh, so, if you wanted to go out and play a play a play course one or course three with hickory clubs, uh, we 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 host a pro am every year uh, in the section here, and we play one or three every year with hickories and. You know, I always say, I'm like, you know, I'm going to go out and practice a little bit more with these things. <laughs> I never really do, but uh, it's a lot of fun to kind of go back in time and, and a lot of folks dress up. So, you know, like I said, two, four, eight are in the mix, definitely. Uh, one and three, obviously, are great. And then, you know, if you wanted to play another another golf course, number seven or number nine, depending on, you know, if you're kind of a private club um, member, you know, number nine kind of feels like you're at a private club. It's gated community. Nicholas design. So, uh, I mean, it's got some undulations on the greens, but it's got bent grass. Uh, so folks from up north really enjoy it because, you know, obviously you're used to bent grass. It's our only golf course. All the other ones are Bermuda. Um, and then, you know, you got to play the cradle if well, once at least. And then if not all day, one day, um, you know, That's you really I've heard you, it, it's 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 been amazing, really, um, just to kind of see the transformation. We're actually we're we're playing more rounds on the cradle than any golf course we have. Well, so wow. talk us through that a little bit too, because I feel like with the implement implementation of the cradle, Pinehurst has kind of set the stage for the rest of 
resort courses around the country, maybe even the world. Um, I haven't, you know, really seen other, you know, nations pick up on this, but I'm sure they're going to, you know, you're starting to see these short courses pop up everywhere because the cradle is just such the epitome of this form of just all inclusive. Everyone can play. It's fun. It's laid back. You know, us as enjoy the walk podcast, you guys have those specific uh, one strap carry bags that are just awesome and like authentic to what the game was grown up on. You know, how has that shaped the mentality around the front yard of Pinehurst? Well, I think, you know, we obviously, we, we own property out of the pit. And so we, we always talked about doing a temp golf course and I'm sure at some point we will. Um, but before we renovated four, it was either four or, or course number 10. And so Mr. Debbin kind of wanted to keep it, get the, let's get the hub right. And so uh, we started talking about number four, renovating four. And then, you know, the putting green area there. I mean, we got, Oh, gosh, it's it's now a 70 foot, the 70,000 foot putting green called Thistle Dew, which is right there. But that practice area was there. And then you had the first hole of three and the first hole of five were, were all where the cradle is right now. And so the par three course was never really, I mean, you know, I think Fandon had one um, named Pine Wild actually over in Biners has one. It's a little, obviously a little different. You take carts on it, but it really wasn't on our radar. And, uh, so Bob Farron and I think Gil were, were just kind of talking about it one day. They were like, this would be a great place for a par three. And, you know, so it just kind of kind of started from there. We we um, we hosted the Concord de Elegance on May like 12th of that year. Um, and then in, we opened the cradle on September 17th. So they built seven golf courses, seven greens um, on those on those two holes, that first hole of five and the first hole of three. Um, and it's just, man, I tell you, it's just been amazing. And, you know, we got 12 minute tee times. Um, the members can play it. Obviously resort guests get first crack, uh, at, at it. And then, you know, we've got some walk on play. Um, but it's $50. You can kind of play all day. Um, and it's just been amazing. It really has. I mean, and, and the, what, the reason why is everybody comes off that golf course with a smile on their face, whether you're not a golfer whether you're playing with your kids, whether you're playing with your, your parents, um, playing with a spouse or a girlfriend, you just have fun because you, you hit a couple shots. You can see the entire golf course um, from, from, the, you know, from each hole. You can see the clubhouse. And it's really where the original you know, golf holes started. And so it's just been um, – I, I would say that it's the best thing that ever happened to Pinehurst. That's incredible. That's some, uh, that's some heavy words considering all the, uh, all the, you know, incredible moments that have gone through Pinehurst over the hundreds of years. But, you know, I think it's not far off, you know, and I think every time we see the likes of a Machinella or even the Barstool guys now going down there, there seems to be viral moments centered around the cradle. There seems to be this kind of gravitational pull towards the cradle, whether, you know, these guys are out playing all day long, they end up at the cradle. And it's like you said, if, if it's, if it's a place where you're seeing more rounds on the cradle than anywhere else, you know, something's, something's going right about it. Well, you know, you've got the beverage cart out there that you hit. We got the, we call it the pine cone, but it's a little teardrop trailer. So you hit that on the third hole, the eighth hole, and then, you know, if you play a few more, you just kind of hang out out there afterwards. So that's a lot of fun, obviously. Um, but it's just, uh, you know, if you're a good player, you feel like you can make a hole in one on every hole, or you're trying to. Um, if you're, if you're, um, you know, if you're kind of a middle of the road golfer, you can hit some shots that hit a bounce and they kick on the green. 
you know, the greens are big and bold and, um, you know, like the third hole, the punch bowl, you can hit it up. Um, kind of, there's like a, you know, a couple things, a couple ways you can hit it up and it runs back to the hole. And so, you know, you just see shots out there and you're, you know, if you're watching, you're watching other people behind you play and you're like, Oh man, you almost made it or, you know, whatnot. So it's just, it's just a, it's just a great atmosphere. And again, you know, being out there and seeing the club and, um, I was standing out with Mr. Dedman one day and I just, I was like, man, you have to be so proud of yourself. You know, he renovated the members club. He built the deuce bar, uh, renovated number two, the thistle do putting green and now the cradle. I mean, if you go out there on a day like Saturday or Sunday, the entire, the membership area is full. The deuce is full. The thistle do is full and the cradle is full. So there's people that are there enjoying Pinehurst. And that's really what it's about. It's a place where people can gather uh, under a common goal, which is golf, you know, and just, just being out there and be social. So um, it, it's, um, I tell you, where we were in 2013, where our step foot there and to where we are now, the transformation has been amazing. You can see it from the people. You can see it when people wanting to come back. Our call volume is there. You know, it's just, um, you know, Riggs, Riggs, obviously Riggs is here right now, actually, but he was here for 99 <laughs> days during, during quarantine. Um, I mean, we, we had a, a standing 515 cradle reservation uh, where we're out there playing and just uh, it's just I mean, you know what? Right now you said, hey, let's go play the cradle. Let's go. Yeah, let, let's go right now. Let's, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> it'll, it'll take maybe about like eight, nine hours, but I'll see you there. Yeah. <laughs> Sign us up for about 8 a.m. First thing in the morning. We're there. <laughs> we're, we're, we'll red eye drive it real quick. No, man, I tell you what, you, you know what? You probably would. Come on. I, we're I, I would. Oh, there's no question we would. That's there's a, no doubt a... about it. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's just something, man, that I think whether whether you like to give a nod to it or not, this, this crazy COVID time has been a time of struggle for a lot of people. And it seems like now, you know, golf has just somehow prevailed and actually, I think, grown out of all of this turmoil and struggle we've had over the last few months. Um, it seems like the game of golf is at a phenomenal spot. And I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but Pinehurst especially is really seeing kind of the dividends of people taking up the game because there's so many options for every style of player on the grounds of Pinehurst resort. Absolutely. You know, obviously 2020 uh, has been a challenging year for, for folks and, you know, we've been really fortunate here that most everybody's been healthy and, and, and safe and their families and all that stuff, which has been great. Um, you're right, though. I mean, it's um, it's kind of interesting. You know, if you look at back at some of our old posters and different things, Pinehurst was always known as a health retreat. That's kind of what it started as. So people were, you know, James Walker Tufts, they got the folks coming down here from from New England and up north and and um you know it's really kind of what's happening right now you know it's it was unfortunate with COVID-19 and what happened in New York and uh, but I think during the during the pandemic people wanted to move down and we were very fortunate in North Carolina that you were able to play golf um you know our membership played a ton of golf our member rounds are up like 40 percent this year um and so we've we actually we're actually plus 57 golf members so people are just moving down and buying homes and wanting to be down here, you know, obviously it's, it's in certain respects, you can work from home. And um, so we've definitely, we've definitely seen an uptick in, uh, we've definitely seen an uptick in golf and in uh, golf rounds and, and, and members. So 
Um, you know, obviously we want to keep things in perspective where we are, but we're, we're obviously very thankful that we're, you know, the direction things are going. We're looking forward to kind of getting back to normal. We had the, we had what's called the Piner's Promise, and that was kind of our promise to our employees, our, our guests, and our members, um, and, you know, with all our, our protocols and different things like that. And we've really been, been very fortunate through it. So, yeah, and that was one thing I wanted to touch on too. Um, we've had a couple Pinehurst caddies on the show before and kind of gotten their perspective of the inner workings of the caddy program and everything that they do. I think that was really neat. There was abandoned caddy fund set up. There was Pinehurst, you know, fundraisers set up. There, there was all kinds of help for the, you know the employees you just kind of mentioned there. Talk us a little bit through the experience of of the caddy program as well and kind of how that just you know, adds on to the mystique and the aura of what Pinehurst is all about. Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, anybody that's been to Pinehurst and, and have played, played number two or one of our golf courses with a caddy, I mean, it just, um, it really changes your experience. You know, these, uh, I mean, the caddies are what really make the experience there. They spend four and a half hours with our guests. Uh, Jimmy Smith, the caddy master, he's been with us for over 20 plus years. Um, I think the last eight or nine as a caddy master and he's just a fiery guy. He's wide open, but we've had, we've had lots of great caddies, you know, and um, Willie McRae was obviously very special. He caddied with us uh, for 70 years since he was 10 years old. Um, he always used to say everybody was somebody and uh, just a really great salt of the earth human being. And I think that's what you get. I mean, we've got a lot of great guys. Um, I've been with a lot of the caddies and gone out and played and, you know, they're just, um, I mean, they're in the same business we're in, you know, it's hospitality. They're, they're, they're making an experience with someone. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's just one of those things where, um, you kind of get back in time when you're at Pinehurst, the guys carrying your bag, Thomas Trincatella, um, you got, uh, Bobby Hill. It's just, we, we had Jesse Jones, we had just so many great, great caddies over the years. And, you know, we've got about 130, 130, 140 caddies right now. And, it's just awesome to see, you know, they're excited. I mean, their their love for Piners is as much as is mine, right? They love the place, and that's why they're here. They're uh, they're here. They come from all over the world to caddy at one of the greatest resorts in the country, and it's just a lot of fun to watch them grow and and, and help our experience. And they actually, we we do this. Uh, we have a you know net promoter score NPS, which is what we're, we're measured on regarding our guests and. Uh, you would you'd be amazed at how many caddies um, people call them out by name and in the in that and just say hey Jeremy hey Greg too just a great you know Jason they just do a great Joe I mean they're just you know Joe was spent five hours with me and just made my experience I mean you know I, I played with we had um, we had uh, Chris Lane and friends group here uh, a couple weeks ago with uh, Charles Kelly and Jake Owen and. Scotty McCreary and um, and all those guys and we just had a blast and you know one of the guys I was playing with Austin Adams for the, he was uh, he's the CEO of Big Loud and uh, you know the the caddy he had that day he was just showing him where to where to hit it and where to go and it was like he gave him a lesson and the guy could like he raved about it he raved about it his whole stay and that's just the experience that they provide and and the value that that the caddies um, provide is just it's, it's immeasurable. Well, absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, we do, I, we follow just about every, I think, large, uh, I guess you could call them influencer in the game and obviously try to muck it up with them as much as possible. And I know Matt Cardis was just there as well with the U S open trophy and, uh, 
one of the guys we've had on the podcast before here, Pat Webster, uh, uh, he, he was kind of mucking it up with them. And it just goes to show that like, you know, the caddies are so respected and such a big part of this industry. And it's just, it's such a, I don't know how to describe it other than just such a, a conglomerate of moving parts that all go into one big organization, which is obviously Pinehurst and kind of, you know, where you find yourself in the mix of things is running it all. Um, it's just really neat to see there's just so many moving parts and yet everything seems to be clicking right now at Pinehurst. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, Matt, uh, Matt Carter's obviously a great friend. Uh, I can't wait till you guys see what he was doing here. Um, you may know a little bit about it, but it's got some, uh, he's got some really cool things and, you know, it's amazing um, what he gets to do right around the country and, uh, and shoot golf and play golf and um, is, is, is special, but yeah, he took the U S open down U S open trophy down in the caddy shack. And uh, it's funny, Jeremy Booman um, caddies for me a little bit and he caddied for me on four on Friday and Cardus had the trophy down there. And I mean, uh, on his Instagram, I mean, he, it was like Jeremy was like, "Hey, I'd never get a chance to hold this trophy without you bringing it here." And so, um, you know, I think that's I think that's what we all share, right? We all share the love of golf and to create u- unique experiences for people. Um, everybody just wants to make an impact on other people's lives, and that's um, that's really what it's about. That, that's so profound, man, and it's true. And I think it's why we all follow these these accounts whether it's on instagram whether it's you know in real life it's it's why we follow these people that are actually making a difference and and making the change within the game to get more exposure to the people working so hard in the industry um you know just to to truly get a a feel-good story out of the game because it's it's what we all want we all want to feel good about the game of golf and see other people enjoying the game that we love so much too so um, it's exciting to see Pinehurst kind of becoming the epicenter again. Um, obviously, it's it's been there in the past, and, and it seems to be in full full thriving mode again. You know, talk us through obviously the USGA coming into the partnership again and and really making a headquarters there. What's the future look like for Pinehurst? Is there some you know tidbits of things that you're really excited about that might be even long term, like 10, 15 years? You know, what's that future outlook like that maybe you can share with us here today? Sure. Well, obviously, we're, we're very fortunate to be the first anchor site for the USGA. So we've got for the next uh, next 27 years, we've got five U.S. Opens. So, um, I mean, that's a that's that's huge for the not only just Pinehurst, uh, the world of golf and then obviously the, the, the Sand Hills area. So um, the, the money that it's going to bring, the, 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 the people it's going to bring to this community is, is phenomenal. Um, you know, as we look at, you know, 2019 was a banner year for Pinehurst. Um, you know, obviously 2020 kind of changed us uh, in some respects of, of financially where we're going to go, what we're going to spend our money on. Um, but, you know, we, we obviously are talking about building a 10th golf course. Um, you know, with the USGA announcement, you saw there that they're moving, um, uh, you know, they're going to have kind of like a welcome center museum type building there, obviously a testing facility. Um, you know, kind of flew under the radar, but Golf Pride a couple of years ago built a facility over at number eight. Um, so they're in the community here as well. And then obviously U.S. Kids Golf is moving their foundation here. So, um, you know, that's the great part about it is everybody kind of wants to be. Pinehurst is kind of, like you said, the epicenter uh, of, of American golf now. And, um, you know, so there's there's a, lots of different things. You know, we've got three hotels, the Carolina Hotel, which is uh, which was built in 1901. 
um, we, uh, we, you know, we're, we're getting, we're entering our 125th anniversary. So uh, December 31st, 1895, the Holly Inn opened its doors. Um, so we're, we're kind of getting back to that. And, uh, and then we renovated the manor. We just uh, reopened that, uh, that we purchased, we purchased that property in 1990 and um, just kind of did a renovation on that. And, and there's a cool little bar in there called the North South bar. It's got the, it's got the, um, kind of the outline of, of Piners number two on the ceiling there. So when you guys come, you got to check that out. It's really cool. But, you know, it, so we're really just kind of getting our, getting our, um, our accommodations in order. Uh, we've got some great Villa products out there. You know, we're talking about some, uh, you know, there's a few things that I can't talk about, but um, you know, there's, there's always something here that we're, we're doing. We're obviously working. Um, we want to be the leader in golf, obviously. And so, uh, you know, but, but having the USGA as uh, you know, right here on our property is going to be tremendous for us. You know, we obviously, um, it, go, it takes us back to our roots. We all work really well together. You know, their, um, um, their, their management team has, you know, their championship management team has a, uh, has a home here already. Um, so those guys live here, they live in the community, they're members of the club. And uh, so it's a great partnership. And I think that's going to lead us, uh, that's going to help lead us to places that we may or may not know we were going to go, you know? Yeah. I would have been disappointed if you told us that there wasn't anything you couldn't tell us. So that means there's really <laughs> some, some awesome tricks up your guys' sleeve. So I'm excited to see them pan out over the next uh, few years and, and see what, uh, what you guys can, you know, just improve upon because it seems like, you know, and, and this is just from a outside perspective, but it seems like you guys have it so good currently, like how can it possibly get better? Um, and I know there's always going to be something better. So that's exciting to see what pops up within the, the few years to come. And, you know, obviously with the USGA being partners and making a home in Pinehurst, only great things are going to come. So Ben really appreciate the time, man. Um, you know, obviously people can get in touch with Pinehurst via online, but is there any kind of personal way that people can get in touch with you if they're lo looking to find out more about Pinehurst or just the inner workings of how the, the direction of golf is going with that within the Pinehurst area? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, obviously you can follow me on Instagram, but uh, you know, my email is ben.bridgers at, at pinehurst.com. Um, I mean, I'm at the club all the time. You know, like I said, I mentioned earlier, we've got a, you know, we we're, we're a unique club because we've got a resort you know component with three hotels. And we also have a membership. So if you if you own property within a 60 mile radius, uh, you can be a member of the club. So a lot of people don't know that. And, uh, you know, you get access to you can access one through six. You can access one through six and number eight and then also um, all nine golf courses. So a uh, little plug for there. Anybody listening that might want to be moving down to Pinehurst. Obviously, they're se we're selling property. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you can find me my uh, I'm at the club just about every day. You know, obviously, it's a great place to be. Um, you know, just whether it's walking around the range in the golf shop, um, 91st hole. So, um, you know, if, if anybody needs anything, please give me a shout. Well, talk us through real quick before we wrap up that 60 mile say, radius. Yeah. How big is that membership base that you guys have at Pinehurst? So we've got, uh, we've got 4,800 members. Um, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's pro probably about, uh, about 1800 golf members. And, uh, you know, we got a lot, you know, we built after the 14 U.S. Opens, we built a, uh, a, a great pool complex. And so um, obviously we've got we've got about 2200 social members so they can use the pool restaurants. Uh, we've got fitness center over at Olmstead Village and then tennis. And so there's lots of different amenities we got. We call it the, the Beach Club at Lake Piners that was just renovated this year as well. We just opened that. Um, so lots of different things if you want to join, if you've got a young family or 
uh, even if you're just retiring, moving down, want to play golf. So lots, lots, lots to do in, in this little Piners community, this little village of Piners, we call it. You want to uh, eat? If you get a chance, just email us some uh, property listings. Uh, <laughs> we're interested. Enjoy the walk so, studios moving to Pinehurst near yeah. you. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh man. Well, no, I really appreciate it, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. I think we could, we could shoot the shit about golf here for, uh, for well into the evening, but uh, we'll let you go here and enjoy the rest of yours guys. That's Ben Bridgers, uh, director of golf down at Pinehurst. Ben, seriously appreciate the time, man. Dalton Dante. Thanks so much for having me on, man. You guys have a great evening and uh, we'll hope to see you at Pinehurst on the cradle real soon. Yes, sir. That's the stuff. One shot at a time.